0: How you guys doing? Are you ready to fast? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to let that sink in for just a minute. Well, it is 2020, and it's a really interesting time because it's a new year. It's a new decade. Uh, 2020, of course, uh, perfect vision, all those kind of things. And so, Uh, I I do want us to engage this year in pursuit of the Lord, of course, uh, in pursuit of what he desires for this house, what he desires for your family, what he desires for you individually. And I I, I love starting off a year in pursuit. Um, And I'm excited about what God wants to do. So uh, for those of you who don't understand, fasting is a way that we uh, we humble ourselves, it's a form of worship, it's a, a form of consecration, of setting ourselves apart. Uh, we fully expect that if, if we pursue the Lord, the Lord reveals things. Yeah. He speaks, He leads, He guides, He heals because it's part of His nature. Uh, and as we, when we get into the, the sermon a little bit, you're going you're gonna to find out how distracted we are uh, by so many things. But today we're going to use three portions of Scripture And we're going to go into the Old Testament. And I like using the Old Testament at times because it's a physical picture of sometimes a spiritual picture. So we actually see physically how they did something uh, that allows us to see spiritually how we can do things as well. And so we'll be talking about Joshua today. If you would, would you stand and let's pray? Father, we're so grateful to be able to come into your presence. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you speak to us corporately? Would you speak to us individually, God? Would you challenge our hearts, God? Would you open our eyes, God? Would you lead us into this next season? We are are desperate for you. We desire you. We long for you because everything else that we put in our hearts cannot satisfy. It is you. It is your presence. It is your love. It is your power. It is your grace. It is your mercy that fills us, that changes us, that transforms us. And that's what we desire. We long for you. I pray that you would speak to us and challenge us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Early on in my Christianity... And, and I've, talk, I've spoken about this before, many times I, I couldn't understand at times what God was doing, especially entering into a new season. And so I, I kind of want to give a little background. If you're, if you're praying about a new season, maybe it's a new job or there's transition in your family. Maybe it's transition uh, as a church corporately as we're moving in a new direction. We wanna make sure that we offer that to the Lord, and I want you to understand, you can boldly step into the next season because God is with you. Wow, okay, I'm gonna come to this side. You can boldly step into the next season because God is with you, he really is. And he'll lead you, he'll guide you. I like this side better. But I, I want us to understand that there are some seasons that don't make sense. And early as a Christian, I, I kept trying to obey and, and, and I don't know if I was missing things from the Lord. I always kind of felt like I, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And so today I wanted this message to give you three things as a framework of entering into a new season. Um, as we as a church are entering into this season, but maybe you as an individual are entering into a new season as well. So number one. When you enter into a new season, you must have conviction. Conviction is a strong belief or being fully persuaded. Have you ever been with anybody who can't make up their mind? (laughs) Yeah, if you're going to move forward, you gotta make up your mind to move forward. And if you're actually gonna see change in your life, you need to make up your mind that I'm going to pursue this. So Joshua 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, how many people here, you like change? I want to put them up. I want to see them. How many like change? How many like change when you're out of control? I mean, you you don't have the control of it, right? How many people don't like change? Raise your hand. All right, this is perfect. This message is for you. (laughs) I like change that I know that I'm in control of, but how many know that God always invites us into places and areas where we're out of control? All right. So as a a Christian, you need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Wow, this is not going over well. (laughs) How many know God does not call us to safety? God calls us into the promise. God calls us to step out because he's with us. And sometimes, if we're being honest, what we call wisdom is really rooted in fear. Well, I I think it's wiser if I don't do anything right now. I think it'd be smart if I got a committee and we took 17 years to study it to make sure we make the right decision, right? When sometimes the Lord prompts us and he calls us and he goes, I'm going to need you to take a step of faith. I'm going to need you to step out. So we see in verses 6 through 9... God begins to speak to Moses and he begins to challenge him. And he says this, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore. Now, one time when God says, be strong and courageous, that's okay. But when he comes back and go, and he says, be strong and very courageous, how many of you would go, well, hold up. Where are we headed here? then he says, listen, Read the word, study the word, meditate on the word, obey what I'm asking you to do. Make sure that you're grounded in truth, just as Moses was. Study what he did, study what he gave you, and meditate on that. And then he comes back and he says one more time, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. I wasn't afraid until you started talking about it. And don't be discouraged. So anytime God gives you a promise or you're entering into a new season, understand you're going to need courage. There's the potential that you're going to be afraid. There's the potential that you're going to be discouraged. So just because you feel that does not mean God is not with you. All right? Many of us are afraid of what we will face in a new season, any kind of change, what's going to happen. All of us want the promise, but most of us don't want the battle that comes with a promise. So l- let me tell you uh, what I mean by this. So when Moses and Israel were in the desert, in 40 years they faced three battles. As Joshua was taking Israel into the promised land, there was 18 to 19 battles. So understand that if you're actually going to walk into the promise that God has for you or your family, if you're stepping into change, you can expect there's going to be resistance. And so understand that's not abnormal, that's normal. And the promise has to be fought for, prayed for, and walked out. So conviction, when we get to verses 10 and 11, he begins, Joshua begins telling his officers and then the officers go and tell the people, hey, three days we're crossing over. That's conviction. This is gonna happen. What you've been waiting for for 40 years is about to take place. You better get ready to step forward because we're moving. Conviction is needed if you're going to step into a new season and promise. Conviction Finishes, it doesn't quit. Make up your mind. No great change happens without conviction. Got to be fully persuaded. I want our staff, I want our church to have fierce conviction. I, I told our staff. I don't want you just to work on our staff because that seems like a good idea. I want you to work for our staff because you believe that you were brought here to bring transformation and to change the world. I want you to live as a Christian believing that God wants to do incredible things through you. Don't just go through the motions, y'all. Life is short. Give everything you have to the Lord. Conviction is a choice. Here's one thing that I want all of our, uh, if you're a Christian, I want you to know this. Don't overreact to everything. Don't overreact to everything. Maturity actually digs deep roots, right? So we live in an outrage culture. Everybody's outraged about everything all the time, all right? Thank you. Pastor Drew is a great illustration, thank you. And so what happens, though, in maturity is that you dig your roots deep, and there are seasons of change, but we don't overreact. God's got this. He leads us. He guides us. We respond. Okay? All right. So as we fast in this new season, I want you to have conviction, the the expectation that God's going to speak to you. That God's gonna to speak to us corporately as a church in this new direction. I miss the days when I played sports. I miss having a group of men that no matter what we, you know, blood, sweat, tears, arguments, fights, but we were in it together for the purpose of winning. I want the same thing in a Christian culture. I do. People gather together with this conviction that God's gonna do something incredible. And here's the thing, nobody can have conviction for you. It's a decision that you have to make. God, I believe, I'm fully persuaded, and I'm moving forward. It's so number one, conviction. Number two, as you enter a new season, you've got to have consecration. All right, consecration means setting yourself apart. Everybody get out your phone. Hold it up. All right. Wave it like this back and forth. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right, I want to give you an example of how busy and how distracted we are. So I found uh, a survey or research, and it's from D-Scout Research, and they polled 100,000 people, and from that 100,000, they pulled 94 98 users, I think. Users, that sounds bad. 94 people who used their phone. All right, on average, they tested them over five days. On average, the use, uh, an average user, 2,617 touches in 24 hours. For 145 minutes on average, okay? That was an average user. A heavy user, 5,427 touches for 225 minutes. And here's what we talk about consecration is actually that you set yourself apart and you put your focus in a direction. I want you to actually set aside some things that distract you and set your focus on the Lord for 21 days. Doesn't mean you can't watch TV, doesn't mean you can't use your phone, but I want you to be aware of where your focus is going and that you make sure you're spending time with God. Okay, 21 days. So let's go to Joshua 3, 1 through 5. How many know that there are seasons in your life when God doesn't allow you to move forward. The Bible says he hymns you in. And the longer you've been in the Lord, you recognize what I'm talking about. You're knocking on doors. Sometimes it's a job. Or you're trying to, to maybe you, you, you want to leave the church because you feel like the season is over and God's going, you're not leaving yet. Because I'm not done with what I want to do in you yet. Or maybe it's another example, but for whatever reason, God is not allowing you to move forward. And he's hemmed you in. But then there are seasons as a Christian that God says, I want you to set yourself apart to seek me. Very intentionally. And God desires for us just to to seek him and desire him and to look to him. Chapter 3 verse 1 says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, and came to the Jordan River, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, the pastors bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. So if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, before God, so. When we accept Christ, by his spirit, he comes to dwell in us. Okay? He awakens us. He speaks to us. He prompts us. He leads us. Because our spirit is connected to his spirit. But in the Old Testament, it wasn't that way. But God still wanted to be among his people. So he he gave very specific instructions. and, And he allowed himself to be contained in a box just because he wanted to be among his people. But they had very specific instructions of how they were to go about carrying this box. And that's what we're talking about, it was the Ark of the Covenant, it represented his presence. And Joshua said, you're gonna take this and you're gonna carry it out into the water and when you get into the water, God's gonna do something. He wasn't sure exactly what was gonna happen. But it's a great picture of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's a point in time where we, 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 we shut everything out and we go, God, what are you saying? What are you asking? What are you doing? Because I want to follow your spirit. And the beginning of the year is an incredible opportunity for us to do that. And here's what God says. You've never been this way before. So you need to follow what I'm wanting to do. Every person in this room, you're gonna find yourself in seasons where you've never been where you are. God's calling you to something new or a different season or a different direction. And here's what he said. Follow at a distance so that you don't get in front of me. Has anybody ever gotten ahead of God? May not have worked out well, right? Fasting and prayer... And putting God first in this season is what this season's all about. It's relationship first. It's not about the destination right now. It's not about the direction. God, I want to know you. I want to know what you're saying. I want to know what you're thinking. I want my heart to be open before you. Consecration is surrendering your preference for his will. It's having your heart laid open. How many know most of us, we want God's will? I believe that. If you're in church, I believe you want God's will, but I think most of you want it your way, right? I know that I do. And consecration is going, God, I want your will your way. And I submit my heart and my life before you. Consecration deals with motives and heart issues. It allows us to see what's going on inside of us. It's allowing him to deal with your past, your present, and your future. Being set apart is, is what God was doing with Israel, getting ready to move them across. And here's the thing. He was wanting everybody to move in the same direction. And as a church, I want us all fasting and praying so that we're all getting ready to move in the direction that God calls us. How many would say again that change is hard? And I think the older I get, the more difficult change seems. Consecration means setting yourself apart to seek the Lord in preparation for what is to come. The fast that we want to begin to take on is not just about this year. It's about all the things that God wants to do in the future as well. How many know that if you shift? One degree or two degrees over the course of a long time, there's a big alteration in your course. When we fast and pray, that's what we're doing, God. We're not looking for this huge change, but we are looking for the direction that you want to go. And so I'm asking that you guys would help us engage in that. So we've got conviction, we've got consecration, and lastly, entering a new season, you must remember his covenant. Covenant is the promise of God's faithfulness to us. And we, we see that when, when God sent his son Jesus to us, he, he fulfilled a, a thousand, thousands of years of promise in the person of Jesus. He said, I told you I'd do this. I told you that I would answer. I told you that I would fulfill my obligation. Covenant is the fact that we stand in obedience waiting on God, knowing that he's going to fulfill his responsibility. That's a really special thing. In verses 2, 7, and 8, before we get into it, let me give you a little background. So God did a miracle. As the, the priests carried the, the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence, into the river, the waters parted again, just like the Red Sea under Moses. and they were able to cross over. And then Joshua told the, the leaders of the different tribes said, "Hey, go to the river and get a huge rock that is symbolic of what God did. It's a memorial stone. And I want you to, to, to bring it, and I want you to place it, and we're going to create a monument. So that if anybody ever asks, why is this here? They'll always be able to point back to what God did. Do any of you have memorial stones in your life? Let me try it again. Does anybody have a memorial stone in your life? Something that you can point back to to go, man, God did this. All right. So I want to do something. I hope hope all my older people don't mind. If you are 50 years and older, would you stand up? Y'all ought to be like, yeah, that's, that's right. So, so here's the thing. I, I, need, I need all of my younger people to look around because these are our living memorial stones. These are people that have walked with God. These are people that have answered prayers. These are people that have gone through things. These are people that have something to offer. Because if you're like me, I don't have anything to, to look back to. So these are the people that I go to. These are the people I need to know. What did you do when this came up? How did God respond? Tell me your stories. I need to know. So if you're younger, you need somebody who has lived their life with God that they can point you back and go, let me tell you what he did. Now to all my older people, because I'm, I'm right there, I'm on the verge. Don't tell young people how to live. Tell them what you know about him, and when they give you access, you can show them how to live. All right. All right, you may be seated. You know, I I, I talked about our little box that we have and and how God has answered prayers through the years and been so specific. So, when my my kids were able to show them our little memorial stones. But I, I long for our church to have connections within generations. Because so many people, they don't come from Christian homes or they didn't come from a great background. And we have to figure out a way that we get generations together in order for you to tell them what you know about God. Really important. So I'm going to read the scripture verses, and this is a really important part, because it's really strange to me that God does it this way. Verse 2, it says, At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again a second time. All of the, the men who had been circumcised under Moses had died in the wilderness, It says that Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. That is a lot of circumcision happening in one sentence. (laughs) I didn't see that until now. we get it, we get it. Verse eight, so it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp Till they were healed. Have you ever asked the question why God did it this way? It would have been smarter to have circumcised the men, all the warriors, before you enter enemy territory. But God was showing them something about his covenant. He was saying, listen, I've put you in a place of vulnerability because I want you to know that I've got you covenant when you enter a new season you're stepping into a place where you need him you're afraid this is new never been here before god what's gonna happen i i that's what covenant is god i don't know what's gonna happen but i look to you and i trust you covenant is all about vulnerability can i tell you something God loves when you put yourself in a vulnerable place with him because it's rooted in trust. It's rooted in the fact that, God, I don't, I, I don't know, but I'll trust you. My whole life, I feel like I've made so many mistakes, and yet God has been faithful to me. But almost every season, God will go, hey, man, this is what I want you to do, Jason. And I'm going to go, nope, I'm not doing that, God, because I don't want to be in a comfortable position. I'd rather be behind the scenes. I I don't want to be in ministry. I I don't want to do all these. And he's going, okay, hey, this is what you're going to do. And I go, okay, that's what I'll do. But it's a constant place of going, God, I trust you because I know you're calling us to this, but I need you. To help and to show up. God loves our vulnerability. I have two boundaries in my life. Um, Just to let you know as as lead pastor, I have a boundary that, that I do whatever the Lord wants me to do. And I feel like it's an advantage, at least in this position, because I've never had a dream to be a lead pastor, so I didn't come in with a lot of bias. I come in going, God, what do you want for this house? What do you want for your people? What do you want to do? But the second thing is, I have a board, I have a staff, I have a wife, I have counselors and people that I look to because I don't make any decisions independent of these two ba- boundaries. You need the same. You need the same. You need to make sure, God, I wanna, I wanna honor you, I wanna follow you, I wanna make sure I'm making biblical decisions, and then you need to have a group of people who are going, hey, why are you doing that? why are you making that decision? Have you prayed? Have you fasted? Have you talked to anybody? Here's my point of view. Here's what the Bible says. You need to have boundaries. And if I'm being honest, I feel the weight of decades in this position because I know that God wants to shift us a little bit in a new direction. And I sense it. I feel the weightiness of it. And I'm asking, church, that you would engage with us as we pray and we fast and we obey God moving in this new direction. Conviction. You need conviction. Second thing is you need consecration. You need to set yourself apart. And the third thing is you need covenant. God will be faithful to you. If you obey, he will meet you, he will provide for you, and he will lead and he will guide you. Now, I want to do this. We're going we're gonna to take communion in just a minute, but I want to I talk to you just a minute about the fast, okay? Why do we fast? And I, I think I'm going to put this document, I have a, a long document that I want to put online. Some people, um, they fast for direction. Some people fast for answers. God, what are you saying? What are you doing? What do you want me to do? Some people fast for power. Jesus fasted for 40 days, and when the temptations were done, he came out in power. Jesus said some things only come out by prayer and fasting. Some people prayed for breakthrough, that there was breakthrough, there was power. God moved on their behalf through fasting. There are examples that people prayed for salvation. You may have loved ones or friends that need to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. You can pray for that as well. Intimacy and devotional life with God. Nearness, drawing near to the Lord. There's examples of fasting for protection. Examples of sending people into ministry or into the next season. And then realignment with God's priorities. How long? Well, for us, we're going to do a 21-day fast. There's different, different times and different time frames, but as a church, I want us to fast for 21 days. What do you fast? Uh, I'm going to do a Daniel fast. That's going to be the vegetables, water, and eventually, well, I've got to drink coffee for now in order to survive, but eventually, we're hoping to get to a place For that three-hour period where I'm going to give up coffee, and then that's going to be amazing. But for some of you guys, it may be that you give up sweets, or it may be that you give up something else. But I want you to be determined that this, God, is what I'm giving up as I focus on you. The goal is not to diet. The goal is, as I give this up, when I'm hungry or I'm wanting this, I'm going, God, I'm pursuing you. So it's a reminder that we're going after God. I I do ask that you use wisdom. And if you're going on a particular type of fast, make sure if you need um, doctor's approval or something like that, that you do that. There is an example in, um, I think, Daniel 6, where uh, Daniel is in the lion's den and King Darius actually fasts all night. For Daniel, and he he actually turned down the musicians coming in to play for him. That's the first example of social media fast in the Bible right there. So an example may be that in order for you to actually not to get distracted, that you put away the phone, or you put away your computer, or you stop TV for a bit. You don't have to do it completely if you don't feel led to, but if you know there are distractions in your life, set them aside. 21 days. What can you expect? Well, first of all, we know that God answers prayer, that he responds to our devotion and our pursuit. But you can bet that your flesh and your appetites will arise. (laughs) Let me just go ahead and tell you, your flesh and your appetites will arise. If you like chocolate and you give up chocolate, chocolate's going to be everywhere. All right? You may get irritable. If you're already irritable and you fast, look out. You may be really irritable. You may... (laughs) Raphael needs grace, he said. So if... um, You may get tired. If you give up some things, you may get fatigued. And so you may need more rest. You may need to sleep just a little bit more or rest. Um, Don't be legalistic. If you're da- doing a Daniel fast and you're not doing sugar or you're not eating sugar and we find out that you ate a little sugar, a group of people from our church is not going to come to your house and, and <laughs> ransack your house and remove all the sugar. That, we're not legalistic. What we want you to do is we want you to try to honor the Lord in your fast. So I, I remember somebody was fasting one time and they just were overtaken by potato chips and they just stuffed a bunch of potato chips in their mouth. Well, guess what? The Lord just said, keep going. All right? Now, don't get overtaken every day by potato chips, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Honor the Lord with your fast and pursue him. And I know the Lord is going to speak to you.